This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee, where the state continues to set records the governor would rather not discuss. The health department reported 156 fatalities from COVID-19 Thursday, the most deaths in a single day. There was a record increase in the number of new hospitalizations and almost 14,000 newly confirmed cases of coronavirus. You'll never guess who the chairman of the Democratic National Committee is blaming. Donald Trump's failed leadership, along with the failed leadership of governors in Florida, Arizona, and elsewhere, have plunged our economy into recession, cost people their jobs, their savings, their livelihoods, their lives. This is Donald Trump's America. This is the hardship and heartbreak he has caused. As the state grapples with the reopening of schools, critics claim the governor and the state surgeon general are stacking the deck by gagging county health officials who don't think it's safe for kids to return to the classroom yet. The head of the health department is this person we're supposed to depend on to make health care decisions for this county and give us advice on what's in the best interest of the children and the 23,000 employees in our school system. And when she doesn't want to do her job because she's being politically silenced by Tallahassee, it's shameful. This is happening because county health officers don't actually work for the county. They are state employees and answer to Tallahassee. Floridians had to fight like hell to get unemployment when they were laid off back in March, and the extra 600 bucks per week from the feds made a huge difference. But the federal money runs out at the end of the month unless the U.S. Senate agrees to an extension. Insert $600 headline. The $600 a week is about food. Uh, it's about rent. Cutting it off would be a calamity. This crisis is not over. We are still in the first wave. Later in the program, we take a deep dive on the drive to revive those federal unemployment payments, at least until the end of the year. We'll also have your daily calendar of political events and check in with a Florida woman busted long distance from Canada, plus a Florida man who lost his kangaroo. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, July 17th. Florida set a new record Thursday as the state health department reported 156 more deaths from COVID-19. The total number of fatalities has reached at least 4,782. Three and a half million Americans have been infected, more than 137,000 have died, most of them seniors, and Democratic National Committee Chairman Tom Perez is blaming Republicans. Donald Trump's failed leadership, along with the failed leadership of governors in Florida, Arizona, and elsewhere have plunged our economy into recession, cost people their jobs, their savings, their lives, their livelihoods. This is Donald Trump's America. This is the hardship and heartbreak he has caused. America's seniors have been hardest hit by Trump's mishandling of the coronavirus pandemic. While Trump refuses to listen to experts or take actions to contain the virus, Approximately 100,000 seniors have died. The seniors have been disproportionately hit by the COVID epidemic. A disproportionate number of hospitalizations have been among adults 65 years and up. Think about that. 100,000 seniors have died out of the 135,000 roughly uh, deaths in the United States. That is staggering. The only thing more staggering than these numbers is the incompetence that caused them. Trump has failed to protect seniors and nursing home residents from the pandemic. Instead, he's thrown them to the wolves. Trump repeatedly lied that the virus would disappear and backed protests of stay-at-home orders that protect seniors from the coronavirus, all for his own political gain. We must understand that we can't reopen the economy until we fix the pandemic. 
and this president has failed to understand that. While other nations took steps that slowed the spread of the virus, Trump pushed to reopen, refused to encourage mask wearing or social distancing, and delayed taking action that would have saved lives. As a result, the United States now leads the world in coronavirus cases and deaths, and cases are surging to record highs yet again. And despite nursing homes accounting for 40% of all uh, coronavirus deaths, the Trump administration has not provided nursing homes with universal testing, has left nursing homes without critical supplies of PPE, and has rolled back rules designed to protect nursing home residents. Seniors have suffered immensely at the hands of this president. Miami Congresswoman Donna Shalala knows all too well about the impact on seniors. She lives in the epicenter of Florida's pandemic. My friends and neighbors in nursing homes are dying. There is just no question that the weak regulations on infectious control, the lack of testing, Donald Trump's leadership is not only reckless, it's insensitive and it's immoral, and it's killing seniors in our country. People ought to be able to live their lives as long as they possibly can, and we have a responsibility to the people who built this nation, and Donald Trump has ignored them. He's attacking Dr. Fauci and the CDC. He's refusing to follow their advice. He's covering up for his failures. And four months into this crisis, he's still getting it wrong. Cases are spiking at record rates in my district, but he wants to slow testing down. The administration has not provided nursing homes with universal testing. He's left nursing homes without crucial supplies of PPE. And they attempted last July to roll back rules for infection control for nursing homes. How outrageous. It's been especially uh, devastating for America's seniors. And they know clearly who's responsible, Donald Trump. I condemn this administration for what they have done to seniors, to the most precious members of our families. Florida now has the second highest COVID death rate in the country, slightly behind Texas. Governor Ron DeSantis has steadfastly refused to impose any mandatory mask rule during the pandemic, saying that decision should be made locally. But there is a greater power in Florida. I am speaking, of course, of Publix. As of Tuesday, you will not be allowed in without a mask. Is it just me, or is it a pretty sad day when Publix appears to care more about our safety than our own government? On Thursday's podcast, we reported on some of the problems about reopening public schools. Many parents and teachers have grave concerns about the danger of putting all those kids in close quarters during a pandemic. Now, the state education commissioner ordered schools to reopen by the end of August, and there is a provision in that order saying reopening is subject to advice and orders of the Florida Department of Health and local departments of health. Palm Beach County School Board member Frank Barbieri says their county health officer came to the conclusion that it was not safe to reopen, and then she was ordered to butt out. As you all know, the health director for this county is Dr. Alina Alonzo, and she was at the, she's on the superintendent's health task force. At the meeting on Monday, she had, she advised that she she did not recommend that we reopen the schools with the spike in the virus infections in Palm Beach County. When the superintendent and I discussed that, uh, we you know I suggested we get a letter from her so that we can make sure that that's included because that's part of Corcoran's executive order is that we have to open the schools and unless we get advice from the local healthcare district uh, to keep them closed. Well, she was in the process of negotiating that and then she got a call from the Surgeon General
general from the state of Florida that told her to keep her mouth shut and, and not speak about it. And I know that's a fact because it's been confirmed by several people. Not only did she get the call, but the other health directors around the state got the same call that they, that they should not get involved with the school district's decisions on whether or not to reopen schools. So I just want the public to know, although the, although the, although the, the commissioner of education said we had to open schools unless we had the health director tell us that it was dangerous to do that, somebody from the state, the Surgeon General, I was told, called her and told her not to get involved with decision makings for the school district. So Dr. Robinson, you can shake your head all you want to, but that's the facts. The newspaper has it today because they found out about it. Both the Sunset and the Palm Beach both, both have the story. So you know what? The head of the health department is this person we're supposed to depend on to make health care decisions for this county and give us advice on what's in the best interest of the children and the 23,000 employees in our school system. And when she doesn't want to do her job because she's being politically silenced by Tallahassee, it's shameful. You know, I don't blame her, although she's got a job to do and she should have done, done her job, but it's shameful that Tallahassee would, would ask her to, to stay out of the, stay out of the mix when it's by their own order. We're supposed to get her input before we decide on what to do here. The community is looking at us to try and make the best decision we can. I've always said, and you and I agreed, that we should base that on medical science. So who's best to give us medical science and advice is the, is the doctor that's in charge of the health district. And when she's told to keep her mouth shut and not help us, that's problematic for me. And I think the public should know that, that, that we're trying to do what's in the best interest of the children, but the health director has been told not to help us make that decision. That's all I, that's all I have to say about that. But it, it needed to be brought up. The public needs to know that the politics behind this is causing issues for us to make decisions that are in the best interest of kids. So I understand very clearly what the truth is. I'm just not sure that it's great strategy for us to have this conversation in this way. So kudos to Frank Barbieri for calling out the state's efforts to manipulate the school reopening process. And shame on you, Dr. Deborah Robinson, there at the end for suggesting this should not be discussed in a public setting. Florida prisons will remain off limits to visitors for at least another month to try to limit the spread of COVID-19. The Department of Corrections says the suspension, which began back in March, will remain in effect through August 17th. Inmates will still have access to loved ones through the mail, phone calls, and video visitation. More than 4,000 inmates and prison staffers have tested positive for COVID-19. 27 inmates have died. Most of the Floridians who lost their jobs during the pandemic were able to get by thanks to a boost in federal unemployment benefits of $600 per week. But the money runs out at the end of the month. Next up, a deep dive into the fight over extending jobless benefits. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we're much obliged. The Florida Hospital Association has released the OPEN Plan, designed to allow Florida's safe resumption of elective surgeries and procedures. OPEN stands for O, observe the COVID-19 rate of community occurrence. P, prevent transmission. E, establish the process to restore elective surgeries and procedures. And N, network with all healthcare providers. You can read the OPEN plan today at FHA.org. Welcome back to Sunrise. Sandy Spires of Miami lost her job back in March and had to wait seven weeks for the first unemployment check to arrive. But she doesn't know how they'll get by next month if the federal benefits, including that $600 a week for unemployment compensation, are allowed to expire. We have a perfect storm brewing in Florida of epic proportions with the $600 weekly Unemployment Cares Act expiring in Florida on July 25th because the week ends on a Saturday. So that last week of July, Floridians actually do not get paid. The last week they will get the $600 is the week of July 25th. 
I've worked and paid taxes my entire life. I've never been on unemployment before. I'm a single mom of an amazing teenager. I love my work, and like many, I want to go back to work. We had to resort to food lines for the first time ever. The fact that we're even here trying to convince anyone that we need an extension on the $600 is confounding. I'm an administrator of a group of lost March unemployment filers, and so many have still received zero funds. This notion of people making more on unemployment is complete hypocrisy. The $600 isn't making people want to stay home. In most cases, it's saving their lives so they don't end up homeless and hungry. It's helping us get by and helping us to help the economy until things can get back to normal. The average state unemployment compensation in Florida is 125 per week. Now that we're in the throes of a devastating COVID spike, I have no idea when I will return to work, nor does anyone else. Tell me how 125 a week unemployment will feed a family of two or four. It won't. Forget rents, mortgages, utility bills, health insurance, and medications. August 1st, evictions and foreclosures begin, and FPNL can start to cut off electricity. The perfect storm is increased homelessness, no electricity, no food, no health insurance, a way to cover medical bills, medications, or transportation. This pandemic has been stressful enough on everyone. We law-abiding taxpayers need this additional support to remotely have a chance at staying solvent. The House and Senate must pass this extension. This is a life-and-death situation for millions of Floridians and Americans. State Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez of Miami has been one of the most outspoken critics of Florida's failed unemployment system, and he spent most of his time over the past four months helping his constituents navigate the maze at the Department of Economic Opportunity. He says this is no time to abandon people who cannot find a job in a downsized economy. You know, the CARES Act includes added weeks. It includes a program that covers independent contractors and self-employed. And importantly, it also includes the $600 per week, which runs out after July 31. The American Workforce Rescue Act extends those CARES Act programs, and we need that. Uh, Shout out to my state staff in my office, working hard every day trying to help out-of-work Floridians through the horrendous state unemployment system here in Florida. So many issues, uh, old issues and new issues, they seem to be creative in the, the, the sort of torture they put out-of-work Floridians through with coming up with the new issues every week. The system has not gotten better. The data shows that, but also the stories that, um, you know, that, that we hear every day tell us that. The political will needs to be there to fix that. But in D.C. right now, uh, as, as we mentioned, we need action. Um, this $600 has been vital. It has been essential. There, 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 there's a Columbia University study that says that without it, um, the, the poverty rate in the United States would have risen uh, to past 16 percent, which, which is outrageous. And, the, and, and right now, the, the moment that we're in, the political challenge is a conservative attitude in D.C. that views this pandemic as, as they just want to be over it and move on. They want to ignore the depth of this crisis from a public health standpoint and want to ignore the fact that COVID-19 is not under control. There, there are likely more economic shutdowns coming, and so many more of our constituents are going to need to turn to or return to the unemployment uh, system. The $600 a week is about food. Uh, It's about rent. Cutting it off would be a calamity. 
it flies in the face of the CARES Act because, again, this crisis is not over. We are still in the first wave, and the economic pain um, we are still in. Um, and, and again, it would be a calamity to cut this off. Congresswoman Donna Shalala of Miami says the House has already approved an extension of unemployment benefits, while senators have been basically twiddling their thumbs. Florida is the global epicenter of this pandemic, and our community has been hit particularly hard as our economy is so dependent on tourism and hospitality. My district has been devastated, and our workers are, are desperate for income. The House of Representatives has answered that call by increasing unemployment in Florida, which has been almost nothing, $275 a week, by $600. That ends at the end of July. We have voted to extend that through next January, and we're now waiting for the Senate. This is about hardworking people in our community. It's about supporting their families through no fault of their own. They've seen their incomes disappear, and they're struggling just to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. And we actually passed the CARES Act in March that included that $600 additional weekly benefit. And then in May, again, we passed to extend it until the end of January, and the Senate has not acted. Mitch McConnell and the Republicans have done nothing. He's ignoring the urgent need and the health and the economic crisis. And he's putting South Floridians at enormous risk. And I'm returning to Washington on Sunday. And frankly, I'm not coming back until the Senate extends unemployment benefits for the people of my district. Florida Senator Rick Scott is one of the lawmakers who has spoken out against the federal unemployment benefits, saying 600 bucks a week is too much because people can make more on unemployment than they can working. Members of a group called Rise Up Florida assembled a caravan of cars to deliver a letter to Scott's Miami office Thursday, urging him to support the extension of jobless benefits. Speaking of unemployment, we get the new jobless numbers for the month of June today from the Department of Economic Opportunity. That's at 10 o'clock. The Economic Estimating Conference meets at 8.30 to talk about interest rates. That's followed by a discussion at 9 about the state economy. The Indian River State College Board of Trustees holds an online meeting and will select a new president. Frank Brogan, a former lieutenant governor and chancellor of the state university system, is one of the candidates. The Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council holds an online meeting at 9.30. At noon, the Florida Democratic Party starts a three-day Leadership Blue Convention. It's being held online. The Florida Housing Finance Corporation Board of Directors meets by conference call at 1.30. And today is the deadline for candidates in the 2020 state elections and for political action committees to file their finance reports with the state. Finally today, it is time to check in with Florida Man and his better half. Police are looking for the Florida man who owns a kangaroo found hopping around Fort Lauderdale. Cops corralled the critter, put it in the back seat of a cruiser, and dropped it off at a barn where the police horses are kept. No one seems to know where the kangaroo came from, who owns it, or how it got loose in the first place. And a Florida woman has been arrested for making herself at home in the neighbor's pool. A homeowner from Inglewood who was vacationing in Canada called the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office after checking his home security app and spotting a woman in his swimming pool. It was his neighbor. She had done it before. Now, Capri Wideman was still in the pool when deputies arrived. They say she cut through the fence with a steak knife. She's charged with burglary and criminal trespass. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again Monday as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.